Welcome to NBA Betting Summer Edition, where we go through the dynamics of GMs, unique scenarios, try to learn lessons from the past. Today we're going to talk about the Baby Bulls, the post-Jordan Chicago Bulls. This is an interesting case study because there's a couple of things that we learned about this. First off, it's funny that we pair this in the same week as talking about the Celtics. Because the Celtics' failures of the 90s loomed over the NBA. Like, a lot of people looked at that as, like, lessons that they didn't want to do. It was pretty, it's pretty interesting. We don't want to be like the Celtics, right? Talked about on the Patino pod, where basically, just to rehash it, the Celtics, because they didn't really rebuild sooner into the demise of Bird, McHale, and Parrish. They kind of let those guys linger on in green and die in green. In some cases, realistically, some cases not. Um, but kind of let them age into the sunset. As a result of that, they had a decade of purgatory. And bad, not, not like first round and out, like 10th you know, pick in the draft. And, uh, and it took them a decade, really, to get back to, to prominence. It was an elongated rebuild, right? Krauss was always nervous about this, too. This is why, you know, as, as documented in The Last Dance, uh, you know, he was big on trying to jettison this rebuild with the Bulls. Now, like, look, it's hard to win a title in the NBA. And I think you can make an argument, like, you got to win until you can't. And then once you start sniffing purgatory, then is when you make the rebuild. Cross was a little early on it, right? Like, he wanted to end the tie after 98. No matter what happens, we're done. Like, he was okay not going for another title. And in retrospect, it's kind of silly, right? You don't want to do things to an extreme either, okay? You don't want to rebuild too soon, which is the Bulls' case, in my opinion, and rebuild too late. The Bulls rebuilding too soon. Everything was like a domino impact in terms of free agency, right? So once Phil Jackson, once he made it clear, Jerry did, that Phil was no longer going to be the coach, the team wasn't going to continue with anybody else. You knew that was going to jettison a rebuild because, like, Jordan's not likely going to continue. Then all the dominoes fall in place after that. Pippen's gone. Everyone's basically gone. And the truth is, let the team – I agree with what Jordan's statement is. Like, let the team decide when the dynasty's over, meaning, like, if they don't win again, then fine – and we realize, okay, they're not good enough. But, like, there's no reason to think they won the title. Not super convincingly, but, like, they were the best team in the East. Um, they weren't favorites in the finals, I guess. But they won. Give them another year to to mull it over. Again, it was a lockout year and all that, right? But this was Krause's time to shine, this post-Jordan Chicago Bull era. He mentioned the whole time. You know, this is an organization win when they won titles. You know, organization wins titles. This is, again, quoting from The Last Dance. This isn't, you know, Michael Jordan winning it. And I think there was this shadow looming over him and probably others too, Pippen too, of like Jordan won six versus the Chicago Bulls won six. It was always Jordan and the Bulls and the marketing, you know, elements around Jordan really, I think, had some negative impacts across that organization, whether they were aware of it or not. And Krause felt it, right? He didn't like the mocking, clearly. And he he wanted to prove 
that he was a great GM. And the truth is, like, he was a great GM. I mean, some of the deals he made uh, in the '80s, you know, the the Pippin, the Pippin trade, um, you know, even Oakley and Cartwright was 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 a smart. I call that the fit trade, right? Like, a lot of times you 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 lose the talent of the deal, but you win the fit. That was an example of that. Um, you know, convincing ownership and, and, and with Phil and everybody taking a chance at Rodman and getting him, knowing you have a veteran team, you can, you can kind of handle that led to a second um, string of, of titles. And even being clever with the contracts, look, say what you want, um, you know, whether the, the ethics were, were there or not. With the Pippen thing, Pippen signed a, a, a he got Pippen on a, one of the better contracts in NBA history in the early 90s. Pippen was obviously upset about it because he felt like later on I, I got screwed, but Got him on a good deal. Uh, good drafter, too. Was, was good at getting, you know, guys like Pax and Armstrong late in drafts who, you know, became good spot-up shooters for them. Got veterans late. Harper, you know, he was obsessed with Kukoc for the last day. So that was a good, I mean, like, all of the moves he did, even the minor moves, were all quality. There wasn't a lot of, like, air balls there. Okay. Well, let's dissect his post- uh, bull run. So one of the first things is it's not good to be the first of any like unique thing in the CBA. You know, if you're not fully aware of it, you get taken advantage of it. And the case happened with Krause immediately post the 98 season. What the first move he has to do is not with Jordan. Jordan's gone. Okay. He's retiring. Okay. Fine. I get it. I'm going to put him in some minor role with the team. Fine. The issue is with Scotty Pippen. Okay. And there's already rumors already leading into the last season with the Celtics. They were trying to move Pippen for picks. Again, this was going to be Krause's big rebuild moment. All right. But the Celtics, while they're the team to take advantage of because they got Patino and he's looking to win now and he has assets to burn, then it wasn't wasn't that stupid enough, basically, to trade gem assets. That probably could have been a negotiation there. Nonetheless, the bigger issue is the sign trade with Pippen. Okay. Now, he didn't understand the value that he had with Scotty and basically could have done more clever things, I think, of resigning him and then moving him. But because of that lack of knowledge, he basically treated Pippen like an unrestricted free agent, which he really wasn't. This was a sign-and-trade move. And he moved Scottie Pippen to Houston for basically Roy Rogers and second-rounders. We don't even know what happened with these players. So losing Pippen for nothing, like, and I get it. He's a free agent. You're not going to get maybe even 80 cents of the dollar, 70 cents. But like get 40, 50. He got zero. That was a big that was a big knock because one of the big things in rebuilding is figuring out where you have value. Pippen clearly had a good five years left in the league, roughly. Okay. And a couple good years with Houston. And he made deep runs with Portland. Guy was not nearly done. So um not getting any juice from Pippen was was the first big mistake. Okay. A couple big errors, in my opinion. This is now pretty the high school thing, which takes another level with Kraus. Um, the other big areas with Kraus in particular is going to be how he dealt with Tony Kukoc. Okay? Now, look, again, Kukoc was a young phenom in um, coming in strong in, you know, 94. And, you know, had a nice little run. But remember, he came in late because he comes from Europe. Now, Kukoc right now is in his, like, late 20s. And as you know, in rebuilds and stuff like that, you have to strike where the iron's hot with, with again, dealing some guys. And you got to be upfront about it. And you have to exhaust as much juice as you can 
Because like what starts with Genesis a rebuild is typically like that veteran trade. I'm training that veteran. I'm getting pieces in return. So he airballs with Pippen. He has Kukoc for a year. Okay. Kukoc has an excellent season with Chicago. Now they're horrible. But if you watch them, you're like, oh, this guy's a high IQ guy. Definitely like a number three guy in a contending team. Looks way better now with more usage, which is what you expect, right? Not in the shadows of uh, of Pippen and Jordan, right? And he doesn't get um, a lot for him, right? Just like completely nothing. So, again, another, just another, um, another real, real air ball there. Really nothing for Kukoc. Kind of goes away to free agency and gets, you know, Atlanta. Uh, picks him up. And he floats around Milwaukee and Philly eventually, but again, so not getting anything, and he knows the guy's a pending free agent, probably not going to resign him because you're not good, uh, isn't great. Now, like, losing other free agents for nothing, fine. But he, he doles out this just horrible team with the post-Kukoc Bulls. So he's got Kukoc for a year, then afterwards, I mean, it's really bad. It's basically the veteran holdovers who are all free agents. This is an expansion team that he has. So fine. So now what happens is if you don't use your vets and trade them for assets, you are an expansion team. Because you got nothing for it. You have nothing left. The team he had left was basically like Randy Brown free agent, Dickie Simpkins free agent, like Jason Caffey, Rusty LaRue, um, you know, uh, just... A Corey Benjamin, a, a, a who's who of just what? Like nothing. So he has his first mark. The team is just awful. And the problem is also, like, you have to be bad at the right moments, right? So, like, you got to look at drafts. Is a top three draft or not? You analyze sometimes some stuff uh, that way. So now one of the interesting things coming up is he – I don't know if he knows on the horizon, there's obviously new CBA agreements. One of the CBA agreements in the lockout, this is key for the Bulls, the lockout actually destroyed their franchise. It's kind of like their COVID. One of the things that happened in the lockout is they they changed the age of draft eligibility. This is huge for the Bulls franchise and huge for Krauss, right? So now you could be 18 and coming out. Okay, now before, um, there was not as much acceptance of it. You had a couple guys come, obviously. It kind of starts again you know, KG, and then, you know, uh, it kind of just gets more accepted because now there's more guaranteed contracts with the first-rounders coming out, where before you had to negotiate your contract. So, you know, I would say it's not, then the, the age limit already existed. There were, there were a lot of come out when you're 18. What changes, in my opinion, in that 99 lockout, which jettisoned more high school guys coming out, wasn't – it was the contract rules. So, basically, what happens in the lockout is they allow for the veteran minimum to increase. They have a standard rookie scale – so before, for example, like the Warriors negotiated with Chris Webber when he was drafted, which is one of the reasons why they moved him earlier than they did. There wasn't this like rookie guaranteed deal. But now after coming out, it's like, well, hold on a second. If I could be a first round pick, that's immensely valuable because I'm going to get a guaranteed four year deal. And if you're a high schooler and the agent's telling you like, look, I'm getting a guarantee. You're going to be drafted in the first round. Why would I take the risk of going to college? Maybe I'm not that good. Something happens and I move to the second round. One of the hands were two in the bush. 
And the four-year deals are still like three, four million a year. I'm getting a guaranteed 15, 20 million dollars. I mean, I'm set for life. Why risk that with for a year of college? So the first it gets into effect, but I don't think it gets into effect quickly enough for that first class to adapt. Right? And that first class being the Elton Brand class. So Elton Brand class is drafted in this post-lockout world. Okay, there, there was basically this Al Candy year, and then there's the brand year. Bulls are horrible, as we know, and they get Elton Brand on the draft. Great, Kukoc is gone. Now let's start the Rebuild expansion team, but we have Elton Brand. Okay. Um, Elton Brand was Rookie of the Year. Obviously, he's the only somewhat decent player on just a still horrible team. I'm going to give... Um, you know, Kraus some credit. Well, Kraus does this weird in the rebuild, too. Is that I noted this before. He's focusing completely on draft picks and building out these drafts, okay? And he did that before. I get it. He did draft eight deals. He, swindled, he swindles and deals well on the draft. What he's not good at is moving veterans. If you're going to want to move them, right? Or even guys who are, like, youngish veterans. So he does a good free agency move where he picks up. This is a, a classic example. He talked about, like, he has a, a bunch of chances at this, at basically, like, doing better moves with veterans. Here are the examples. He has Kukoc gets nothing for him, Pippa nothing for him. And then he gets Brent Barry. Brent Barry gets with the Clippers. Again, you now on your team, when you're an expansion team in that situation, you can take stabs at guys who are underserved in their current roles, give them higher usage, and then increase their value. But if you increase their value and you're obsessed with picks, you better move them for picks. Or else you lose them for nothing. And what happens with Brett Barry is the same situation that happened with Pippen and Kukoc. He gets Barry. Barry is great in Chicago. Great shooter. Still people need a shooter. And then Seattle comes knocking. They realize, okay, like our run's over, right? This is the post-Sonic thing. And they just are able to unload the contract. So, you know, Kraus is like, fine, I'll just let me lose Barry for an expiry. Gets Hersey Hawkins, who's done. He's going to be out of the league. He's got no use for Hawkins. He's going to play a game with the Bulls. So he moves Hawkins. And he moves um, Barry for Hawkins. Again, doesn't get good value. People just ripping, you know, taking him limb from limb here. And Barry has a great rest of his career with the Sonics. That turns the team real sour, real bad. It leads to Brand. Fine. So now you've to Brand. Brand wins rookie of the year. But Kraus does is, is waiting for his biggest move yet okay a couple of drafts remember they were bad for a couple of years so we're, we're skipping a couple of years we're skipping all candy years right They're even the the they gets brand and now brand's there for a year he went through the year brand's there for another year it's still very good he's, he's you know pseudo all-star he's like a 20 and 10 big right but the bulls don't go anywhere that second year with brand they go nowhere and a lot of the reasons why they go nowhere um is because they they kind of crap on the draft. So the Kenny Martin draft, that's a bad draft for everybody. Again, the Bulls, one of the Bulls' issues is just unluckiness. They rebuild around probably one of the worst draft periods in NBA history, just like that four-year span, right, where there's some good draft, there's some good players in that draft, I should say, but, the, but at the top, the players aren't that good. So meaning, like, they get Brand. Brand's good, but, like, in that same draft, you have, um, you know, some other talents. And, I'll, you know, and then they... They don't get Paul Pierce, Nowitzki, those guys in the in the um, 
an Al-Candy draft. You fast forward another draft, there's a Kenny Martin draft. Great, they have Marcus Pfizer, who's awful. Okay, so now he goes through basically two lotteries and air balls in those lotteries. Right, just completely air balls. Now, in, in one of them, the Al-Candy one, you're still ending up with, like, Ron Artest, who's good, but, like, it took Artest actually a decent while to, to really be good. Wasn't looking good in, in a bull uni, okay? And, you know, I, he, he's not good right away, I should say, and, like, he feels soured, I guess, from that experience. Jabal Crawford, you know, getting that pick, right? He's a good pick, but, again, like, Jamal Crawford looked like a, flat, uh, a nice talent, but, like, a flash in a pan, like, is this guy kind of like Jalen Green now, right? Like, not a, it's hard to get um, consolidated, you know, concise guys. You're not going to get the Hall of Famer in every single draft. You have to make these other shrewd moves to move around him, and that's the problem with Krause. He's thinking very top-heavy. It's either, like, star player or bust via the draft, or else I don't know what to do with him. And he didn't do a good job of, like, structuring the roster around players within um, his own draft file. This was to the 2001 draft. What are the crazier moves that happen? The Kraus pulls. So the Bulls have the fourth pick. The Clippers have the second pick in this draft. Okay. Um, the Wizards have the first pick. The Wizards take, this is the high school draft now. As we talked about, the new uh, collective bargaining agreement, all these high schools now come out because they're going to get guaranteed money. This is the ramifications of that lockout a couple of years earlier. And Kraus takes a swing for the fences like no other. He's got Elton Brand, who's only played two years. And I'm all for trading a value high, right? And he sees Brand, he's like, you know what? I'm going to double down on the rebuild. Because he he wants to convince us. This is a, a, a conceited move on Kraus. He wants to prove to the world that he's the greatest GM. And the way he's going to do that is find this gem in the draft and do a crazy franchise-altering move, Right? Instead of, like, building slowly with Bran, he goes for the gusto. And he moves Elton Brand to the Los Angeles Clippers for the second pick of the draft. Oh, he takes Tyson Chandler with that pick. It's a good pick. But he gets Eddie Curry with his own pick. And then now the Bulls go from, like, baby bull and cute, but they get worse. I mean, just the, the IQ, the level of IQ is off the charts. And now they have this roster filled with, like, hotheads, like Artest Crawford, uh, just a lot of youth, Curry, Chandler. And the team just makes no sense. But he also has a string of unluckiness, too. He's bad with a couple of drafts. This leads to another bad season. And then look at the Clippers. This actually turns them around. They have Brand there. They do another movie against Sam Cassell. Now the team's making the playoffs. This could have been you, Kraus, if you built slowly. The next season... Bulls get lucky again. They're one of the worst teams, but they get the second pick. Yeah, this is the Yao Ming draft, okay, if you might recall. And then in that draft, they pick up Jay Williams, who, look, I mean, people thought he could be the number one pick. You know, there was some even question in there. And he gets the motorcycle thing. So they don't see that out. This is a string of unluckiness, right? Okay. And the next draft, they get Kirk Heinrich. But that's the 03 draft, one of the best drafts. They weren't bad enough in the right drafts. So the 03 draft, the top five guys are all Hall of Famers. LeBron, I mean, four of the five, not Milicic, obviously. LeBron, Melo, Bosch, Wade. But they get like the 
sixth or seventh pick. And they got Heinrich. And the next draft, they got a fourth pick. They got Gordon. So he's consistently missing out on the very good, gets good enough, but not that great. And the team never really gets back on track until he's gone. And Kraus, I think, tried to um, move up his timetable too soon. Right? This is an element of, like, I love the rebuilds. I get it. But he lets his ego get out of the way. And I think the lessons to learn here is, like, there's a way to build. you got to build the right way. And you got to do both. you got to be 360 on it. you got to do the drafting rebuild combined with getting the right veterans and maxing out the value there. Kraus is only focused on the top heavy because he's trying to flip the franchise quickly and and and, and come out like he, he's the, the brilliant person, all of it. Got to take your ego away. And I think all of this was costly because now if you flip the script a little bit, easy to play hindsight's 2020. I get it. But if you let the Bulls play out their roster, you let Jordan Pippen kind of go into the sunset, maybe it's two more years. And you start your rebuild right afterwards. If you start your rebuild to 2000 and then you let them kind of go, you'd be more primed for star talent in that 03 draft. Probably wouldn't have felt the 7-6, probably getting a top four pick. And this whole franchise looks different. But it's a really interesting thing. And look, the Bulls got unlucky. I get it. But it's an interesting tale of the post-Jordan Bulls and what could have been if you had someone in there that let this team play it out, wasn't as conceited at the helm, and didn't get their emotions get the best of it.